Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello and welcome everyone to the Future Tech Podcast. My name is Josh Thomas, and I'm here with Gabriel Wang from ITE Group. That's A-I-T-E group.com. ITE is Japanese for partner. And ITE is an independent research advisory firm that is focused on business and regulatory and technology topics in the financial services industry. Hello, Gabriel. How are you? Hey, Josh. Good, good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Really glad to have you on here. And, you know, financial services... Uh, is is an industry that, uh, at least for the last few years, has been ripe for disruption and innovation. Uh, you know, blockchain technology in particular has has come on strong and has really tried to tackle some of the uh, issues that financial services is facing. Uh, but aside from that, uh, there are a number of other concerns where, when it comes to you know security of people's money. Safety, uh, anti-money laundering, uh, KYC compliance, SEC regulations. There's all kinds of different uh, boxes that we can open and talk about here. But uh, tell me, uh, in in your in, in your best assessment, what is the core function of IT? Sure. Um, so I think Josh, you gave a very uh, good uh, brief intro of uh, who we are just just when you did your intro. So basically. Uh, what ITE is, we provide 
our industry subject matter expertise within the different segments we cover under the umbrella of financial service industry, right? So um, for me, I am personally on the capital markets team uh, where we do look at topics that are impacting the global capital markets, including from evolving market structure of the capital markets, um, depending on different asset classes, and uh, evolving global regulations that are impacting global buy-side and sell-side financial institutions in terms of their daily business operations. And we also follow emerging technologies such as blockchain and the most recent development in those emerging technologies and how they are impacting uh, global financial institutions. So you're in a unique perspective to see, you know, what is what's on the horizon and kind of the cutting edge of this. What are some what are some really interesting observations you've been able to make uh, in the last 12 months? Okay, sure. Um, I think uh, the last 12 months has been um, kind of interesting. Because, so from my perspective, I started uh, doing research on um, blockchain for capital markets uh, back in 2015. And that was a time when people within the capital market industry really started to focus their attentions on how do you apply blockchain or also known as distributed distributed ledger technology to something that is traditionally uh, using centralized system to process their daily operations, right? So I think over the last 12 months, um, the, the experiments on blockchain inside the capital markets has gotten to a point where it's either make or break um, for the upcoming, I would say, 12 to 18 months. Um, Because as you know, people have put tons and tons, billions of investments uh, for the past three years into blockchain, POCs, proof of concepts, pilot programs, and um, a lot of development development money and resources have been put into that. So I think the last 12 months mostly is people trying to push forward the proof of concepts programs and the pilots and trying to put them into production. And along that process, a lot of challenges have been faced um, by organizations that are trying to do this, um, among which I would say the most significant ones are how do you deal with uh, data privacy concerns on the blockchain? How do you deal with the interoperability between different blockchain systems? And ultimately, how do you get a ultimate management buy-in from your institution to move away from the system you're currently working on and trying to move um, anything on to blockchain systems? Now, now that, the last thing that you said, I think, uh, is, is the one challenge that uh, almost nobody's really been willing to talk about. Uh, it's it's great that we have this technological innovation and uh, we have blockchain, but how do we how do we shift? How do we convince the old guard to adopt mm-hmm. this new technology? And that, from my perspective, and you you tell me what you think, but from my perspective, that's one of the biggest challenges that we're facing right now. Sure. Is how do we how do we overcome the fact that well this is the way we've always done it? Why yep. do we, why should mm-hmm. we change? Talk to me about that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a great point, right? And and that's definitely one of the, as you pointed yourself, that's definitely one of the things that uh, people are still trying to figure out. But I think over the course of the last 12 to 18 months, and I've been doing my research on this as well, 
I've been talking to people and industry experts in in uh, around this, and I think there's a um, consensus I'm I'm getting here, right? So basically, I think one key point when people are trying to uh, convince uh, either their management or uh, internally trying to uh, migrate to blockchain, I think the over overall theme is uh, digitalization of their um, organization, right? So if you think about digitalization and what kind of role blockchain can play in this, I'll give you a few examples, right? So, and and these examples I'm, I'm giving um, are um, public information. So I'm not, not speaking to something that I shouldn't be. So for example, NASDAQ, right, um, has been um, utilizing blockchain for their private security market segment uh, for quite a while. And the primary reason for doing that is, as many of you know, um, the private security market has been a place where paper-based stock certification has been issued traditionally. And as change of asset ownership has been um, given out in paper-based form, and that's not very efficient. And that's frankly speaking not very modernized. So blockchain as the underlying technology could be used to help digitalize a traditionally paper-based workflow or function and help to build an infrastructure for a financial organization to equip itself with the software-based um, functions and uh, tools to digitalize the entire organization. Right? That's that's just one example. And also because of the nature of blockchain, it provides people with better transparency, immutability of information and uh, transaction um, that can provide uh, financial institutions with a better tool to deal with um, regulatory scrutiny when um, if, if something happens, right? So I think the overall theme just to uh, reiterate here is for digitalization of a financial organization. I think that's that's the one key thing that people need to um, be able to actively convey to either internally or externally to move this thing forward. Makes sense. And uh, so, how how long have you been involved with the ITA group? I joined, um, I think, uh, late 2013. So I, uh, I I've been here around for five years. And what what have been some some surprising observations in your five years with this group. What, what would you say is the the thing that stands out the most? Is you know, wow, I wasn't expecting that to happen. Well, I think um, I think it's really about. Well, I, I think from a from what I do here right, as a uh, industry analyst and uh, what we do as a company, I think what surprises me the most is well, how fintech financial technology is a has been really emerged as a growing theme and also as a very hot topic inside the industry and how that's very disruptive to the industry overall but what surprises me more is despite how much money people have been pouring into fintech uh, such as blockchain artificial intelligence uh, and big data probably five years ago and now uh, call something else, right? Um, all these different fintech themes, it just seems to me that inside of the financial industries, firms do not particularly move fast enough, although they have made huge commitments um, from the capital side and also from the other resources like uh, talents and people they throw into all these projects, right? I, I, 
I'm just a little surprised by how slow the progress is have made among those um, organizations. So the so the money moves fast, but the people move slow. Yes, I I think yeah, that's a that's a very good summary. Yeah. Wow. Now, now, why do you think that is? Uh, because uh, for me, if I'm going to put money into something, I want to mm-hmm. see a return as quick as possible. But, but so, why do you think that they can they can pour all of the money in, but that they don't move fast enough to act on it? Let, let's dig into that because I, the, yeah. there seems to be some reasoning for that. Sure, sure. There, there, there's definitely on just just by the looks of it, right? There's, there's definitely it seems an obvious obvious uh, discrepancy there, right? So I think. I, I think you need to think about people's motivations here. I think the, I wouldn't say the biggest incentive, I would say definitely the, uh, the, one of the majority incentives for the financial institutions to put money or to move into some projects initially is this fear of missing out, right? So if you are a global asset manager or a uh, global investment major, global investment bank, right? And uh, one of your peers is into this thing, um, blockchain, and you know that your competitor is putting millions and millions of dollars and putting a lot of people into developing a blockchain-based solution for, uh, let's say, querying settlement for, um, let's say, credit default swaps, right? Let's say something like that. Then you are in a fear of missing out by this opportunity to compete and in a potentially new and disruptive market uh, where your competitor is going to be a major player in, right? So you are, so it's, it's more, I would say it's more fear driven um, sometimes rather than let's say, I wanted to be, I want really to innovate and to be head mover in this space. So that's that's one of the reasons. And secondly, sometimes projects can get really um, scope creeped inside capital markets. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you start with something small, and you're you were not as ambitious as you wanted to be. But as time goes by, and as you put more resources allocated to this specific project, um, you could be underestimating the level of complexity. Um, as you were initially putting together the, the, the project scope. So um, you could be adding more and more time and resources to the project only to realize that you didn't, um, you didn't take into consideration all these moving parts at the very beginning when you try to start the project, right? So some projects got uh, either delayed or put aside because of other um, priorities. And so, you know, within... I would say within couple markets, um, different units, different business units, different heads of business units all usually fight for uh, internal budget uh, depending on the firm's priorities in a given time frame. Now, let's let's kind of uh, move move forward here. We've been we've sure. been talking about some of the observations that you've made over time. Uh, let's take a look at the future. Uh, mm-hmm. You you're an analyst for the financial services industry, specifically with you know, business regulations, technology. Um, now let's let's take each of these and impact them from from the business perspective. Mm-hmm. Where do you see financial services in the next five years? Let's say I mean, because they move slow. Uh, yeah. Let's let's say in the next five years we see some developments. Uh, business regulations, technology. 
take your pick um, and let's let's kind of look forward five years. Tell me tell me what's going to happen. What are the innovations on the horizon? Okay, sure. Uh, um, I think I'll, I will say this. Although I said that um, generally speaking, capital markets firms move slower uh, in terms of just the progress and adoption of emerging technology. But I will say this. Um, given how a lot of these new regulatory regimes are coming in and becoming effective either immediately or soon within the 12 months, right? For example, Lipid 2, et cetera. Um, I think firms are going to be more um, cost conscious. And in order to cut down costs, especially around operation, operational costs, they're going to rely more on technologies. And uh, in most cases, uh, emerging technologies as well. And when I say emerging technologies, some of the technology themes I'm going to talk about uh, just very briefly may surprise you as emerging. For example, cloud. I think people have been talking about cloud for probably the past 10 years. Um, but within the capital market industry, cloud has been really gaining momentum just for the past two or three years, to be perfectly honest. So I think for the next five years, you're going to see a lot more real adoption of um, public cloud inside the capital markets. And uh, five years from now, I, I would say you're definitely going to see, um, to some degree, uh, real adoption of blockchain-based systems, um, maybe for information record sharing and transferring, probably less to a degree about uh, moving assets on blockchain. So let's talk about regulations. You know, mm -hmm. it's a it's it's a hot topic, especially with financial services and especially those of us who are invested into cryptocurrencies. And, uh, you know, there's there's been some sweeping changes that have uh, depressed the markets, spiked the markets. Uh, mm -hmm. What do you see this evening out anytime soon? And what's what's it going to take for us to just, uh, you know, get everything settled so everybody can move forward? Well, I think, right, I think overall the crypto, I'm assuming you're both referring to the ICO space and also the secondary trading of uh, crypto assets, right? Well, so so there's that. And, uh, you know, ICO has become something of a, of a bad word lately, uh, you know, yeah. especially with all the regulations coming in. Uh, yeah. And we're seeing a shift uh, uh -huh. From the companies that we're talking to, we're seeing a shift to where you know they're filing for their Regulation D exemption or they're filing a Regulation A, and they're going mm -hmm. after just accredited investors, and they're following the rules. A lot of them are mm -hmm. now, um, mm -hmm. and so I see that kind of as a shift. But let's sure. fast forward, Ed. Um, mm -hmm. You know, how do we clean up? There's a lot of muck out there. How do we clean that up? And how how do you see regulations playing playing a role in that? Sure. Um, I think I'll focus my answer on the trading side, not the okay. uh, ICO insurance, et cetera. So, um, okay, so I, I, so I frequently chat with major digital exchanges or crypto exchanges, whatever you call them, you know, also some of the OTC trading venues for uh, crypto assets. I think the sense I'm getting here right now is just generally speaking, overall, this emerging industry and this emerging asset class is not uh, a regulated one just as of today. Uh, so as you may know, I mean, the SEC has recently made a statement clearly that uh, this is a re unregulated mess and uh, they're going to take further actions. Right now, uh, they're basically putting a message and it's 
stands out there right, that a lot of these online trading platforms for cryptos are not registered with the SEC nor with FINRA, and as a result, um, unlawful. And but with that said. That is not to say all of the exchanges today in existence are not by any means regulated at all. Some of the exchanges, right, they either have some, uh, let's say, New York State license or have some sort of uh, credentials that they have um, as they are more established than some of the smaller ones. Um, I think where this goes is um, we definitely going are going to see more more restrict limitations and regulations from regulatory bodies such as the SEC. I think that's an un- I, I think that's a necessary step uh, towards a more um, uh, I think regu- regulated market and stable market. I think it, right now is there's a lot of confusion of what. Uh, some people can do and cannot do on an exchange and how do you deal with uh, as a custody on an exchange. There's a lot of question marks there. So the regulators um, will and definitely will and have to step in and put a lot of certainty around the market. And the market structure is itself is evolving and adapting and that will have uh, the regulations will have a large uh, dramatic impact on that as well. Um, I think just 12 or to 18 months from now, uh, you'll definitely see many, many of the smaller uh, crypto trading exchanges um, going out of business because they will um, they will fail to provide a either proof of their credential, their security features, their compliance with incoming uh, regulations uh, around cryptos, and also their lack of uh, credibility because, as you know, um, a lot of this uh, news and uh, uh, scandals about cryptocurrencies uh, exchanges being hacked, lack of security features, etc. So, so that's that's going to change pretty soon. Well said, Gabriel Wang from itakegroup.com. Uh, tell us about your your company and uh, who is the who is the ideal client or customer for you. Um, for instance, we, we have a lot of technology enthusiasts and, and, and many who are interested in financial services industry. Um, who, who's a great candidate to, to interact with your company? Sure, sure. Uh, great question. Um, so typically, we divide our company clients into, um, well, into two buckets, actually. I was going to say three. But um, I think the first bucket is uh, global financial institutions, right? This is fairly straightforward. Uh, banks, asset managers, uh, exchanges, uh, market utilities. And the second bucket is um, what do we call vendors, right? So these vendors, um, you either are incumbent vendors like uh, a Bloomberg, FIS, or IBM, these are all bucket into income vendors, but we also very, we interact with a lot of these fintech players, right? So you're a smaller startup, um, you're, you have your own um, technology capabilities, you have your infrastructure, you want to get into financial services industry, and then you're looking for advice in, in terms of how do you do market entry, et cetera. Uh, we are also very keen to interact with uh, fintech startup for that uh, purpose. Okay, 
Very good. Well, we're going to we're going to wrap for today. Any final thoughts before we go? Well, I just want to say I think it's just just a final uh quick note on the blockchain. Uh, I, I I think uh blockchain's not going to go away. I think it just takes longer than people initially thought that as the adoption, the industry-wide adoption is going to go. Right. Yeah, well, I certainly agree with you on that. It's it's not going away. It's just a matter of the time frame of how long it takes to get there. So uh, once again, this has been Gabriel Wang from itegroup.com, A-I-T-E group.com. Uh, we highly recommend that you check that out. And until next time, uh, this has been Josh Thomas. We'll see you on the next episode of the Future Tech Podcast. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000-plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.